We are back. Welcome in to a brand new episode of Streamer Season, the exclusive streaming platform, TV and movie podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's KB and Christian coming at you. We are back from our holiday break and ready to dive into the world of streaming shows and movies once again as 2024 is locked and loaded with tons of projects and we get our first taste with uh, Marvel Studios' new Marvel Spotlight show, Echo. We watched What If over the break, so we're going to break down the first four episodes this week, next four next week, and then uh, we're in full-blown content mode for 2024, ready to take this show to the next level. Uh, but before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at StreamerSZN on Twitter Instagram and threads and at streamer SCN pod on TikTok. You can follow Christian on Twitter at the whiz underscore PHI. You can follow me at KBICCL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five star rating and review with your show and movie recommendations. We will check those out. Those go to the top of the list. Uh, on top of the list we made a couple weeks ago for everything we're going to be watching faux show in 2024 uh, and of course subscribe to the underground sports philadelphia youtube channel youtube.com slash at underground sports philadelphia it's where you get full video episodes of this show every show on our network live streams original video content shorts clips and uh, we are currently at 715 subscribers Looking to get to 800 before the end of January, so hopefully we hit that mark with the help of the streamer season audience. So keep subscribing, leave your show and movie recommendations in the YouTube comment section as well, and leave your thoughts on Echo, What If, and anything you're currently watching in the YouTube comment section. Uh, and of course, get your merch at phiapparel.co. Get that streamer season merch, whether you're binging your favorite shows and movies at home, going to the movie theater, whatever it may be, having a family movie night, you want to stand out with the best merch possible. And PHI Apparel Company has you covered from shirts, hoodies, and everything in between. Get your streamer season merch. And when you go to check out at phiapparel.co, Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your order. It's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing here at Underground Sports Philadelphia. So go get your merch, phiapparel.co, code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your order. Christian, we're back. It's good to be back. We're back, baby. We uh, 
we are diving into the very first uh, Marvel Studios project that released all at once, and that is Echo, the first installment in the Marvel Spotlight uh, banner that Marvel is running now, which for anybody that is unfamiliar with the Marvel Spotlight banner, I'll give you a quick rundown of what that is. Uh so in February 2021, Ryan Coogler's production company, Proximity Media, was set to work alongside Marvel Studios on select Disney Plus series as part of a television deal with Walt Disney Television. In May, WandaVision head writer Jack Schaefer signed a three-year overall television deal with Marvel Studios and 20th Television to develop additional Disney Plus projects for the studios, and in December 2021, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings director Destin Daniel Cretton signed a multi-year deal with Marvel Studios to develop television products for Disney+. Plus. So those are the big names involved with Marvel Spotlight and Marvel Spotlight's banner. Um, it was announced in November 2023 for select series that focus more on, quote, grounded character-driven stories and less about impacting the larger MCU narrative, although those characters will still have a spot in the overall MCU narrative, it's just not a direct impact. You're not having to worry about where it lines up in the timeline, per se, right away. Um, head of streaming Brad Winderbaum explained that it was created during post-production on Echo as a way to indicate to audiences that they did not need to watch any other MCU projects to understand uh, Spotlight series, as is the case with reading Marvel Comics. The banner is inspired by the Marvel Spotlight Anthology comics from 1971 to 1981 and features an opening logo with a musical fanfare composed by Michael Giacchino. Uh, the first series under the banner is Echo, which will be followed by Wonder Man. Echo was also the first Marvel Studios series to simultaneously release on Hulu along with Disney Plus and will be available on Hulu for a limited time. Um, so there is your information on what marvel spotlight is i like I would, it i think it's smart for the MCU. i would just like to say that calling and and even though they basically spend the first half of the first ev episode kind of explaining season one uh sorry uh, kind of I explaining what happened in hawkeye mm -hmm. like it's it's not really a marvel spotlight <laughs> it's not really a a standalone thing like even though they do the cliff notes in the first half of the first ev episode, you kind of want the rest of it. Mm -hmm. I think for the people that are heavily invested in the MCU, you want all of that. And then episodes two through five, I don't know if you necessarily need no. everything, which is, I think, why episode one felt like a... 35-ish minute previously on episode. Um, although there were different portions of footage used that were like different angles, but it was kind of the same uh, tell-all there from what happened in Hawkeye w involving Echo. I would but... like to say, may maybe it's just me thinking that like, oh, all, all these things seem seem really weird, but yeah, no, it, 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 it's not just me. But the episodes kind of progressively get shorter, except for episode three. Because it starts at 51, then goes to 41, then 45, then 40, then 37. 
And I felt that as we were going along, where I'm like, this is getting shorter real quick. Especially when you take off like five to six minutes for just all of the credits mm-hmm. that you're talking about. You go from having basically a 45 minute first episode to basically a 30 minute last episode. I'm like, the last episode did feel very short. In yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. everything else. Uh, again, we'll 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 talk about this when we dive a little deeper in during this conversation. But yeah, um. I think some other things of note before we dive into like breaking down each episode. Uh, it is official now that the Netflix Marvel television shows are canon in the MCU. Um, they were put on the timeline watch order on Disney Plus, where you should watch them. Um, and they have officially been canonized into everything in the MCU, which I will pull up if I can, if I'm logged in on my laptop where each one uh, kind of falls in the timeline, and it kind of makes sense after uh, having watched all of Daredevil, obviously, but seeing where everything lines up in the timeline kind of falls in the Phase 3 realm of things for pretty much all the shows. Um, But I thought that was an interesting aspect now that we have Daredevil in a bunch of projects in the MCU. Kingpin now back for a second project in the canon MCU. Uh, everything now canonized from Netflix. Yeah. There's, there's, you, you pretty much set the basis for this entire conversation. Um. So I think without any further ado, Christian, if you want to drop. Well, spoiler anyway, warning of 2024. There's there's one thing I do want to... Oh, lay it on me. I do want to touch on, and that it's that kind of the person spearheading the show, if I remember correctly. Well, so it was... It was created by Marion Dare, but most of it directed was directed, and we talked about this when all the stuff came out, by Sydney Freeland. Mm-hmm who people may or may not know, but uh, she 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 was raised on a Navajo reservation and and her father is Navajo, so she very much is like someone who should be making this type of story. Also, for the people who watch all that shows, she was also worked on Reservation Dogs, mm-hmm. which is a which is another big indigenous show. So, yeah, that's something I wanted to bring up at the start of this before we dive in. And because she directed, I believe, four of the episodes. Yeah, yeah, she directed four of them. I I feel like in specific things we're going to touch on in this in this conversation that that's important to talk about. Hundred um, percent. And I did find the order here now that it's been updated uh, with the Netflix shows. So if you want to watch. Uh, the MCU in timeline order. They have plugged in the six Netflix shows like this. Um, so you'll you'll watch Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. After that, it's I Am Groot. And then after I Am Groot comes Daredevil, followed by Jessica Jones, which then leads you into Avengers Age of Ultron, Ant-Man 1, followed by Luke Cage, and then Iron Fist, and then the Defenders, which...
which comes before Captain America Civil War. I do find this interesting, though. You're in the timeline order. You're not watching The Punisher until after watching Spider-Man Homecoming. Now, I have not watched The Punisher yet. I have to uh, catch up on all the Netflix stuff outside of Daredevil. But I do find it interesting that The Punisher comes after the first introduction of Spider-Man in the MCU post-Civil War. That That is rather interesting. So we'll see how that uh, lines up with the timeline order now. Um, but before we get into your spoiler warning, I should say, um, your overall thoughts, theses, theories, and... Uh, enjoyment level of echo as a a miniseries it's definitely a step forward in terms of what of marvel filmmaking in the tv shows it it, it it's not too long i do think it could maybe maybe be five be five episodes if we just blow them out to hour-long ones instead of like doing this and then this kind of descending time feels less weird. Mm -hmm. Um, But generally I feel like it's a step forward. Again, I'm, I'm someone who comes from watching all the prestige shows and everything. So I don't think the shows anything too extreme or special. I feel like it started good. And by the end I was kind of like, okay, we're doing some of the, some, some of the Marvel bullshit here. That 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 kind of is what wears on me, but I was very happy with like the first episode and a half, two episodes of the show. Yeah, I think I enjoyed this in the top, like just pure enjoyment level was in the top, like top echelon of what we've gotten from Marvel television. Um Strictly from everything that's come out on Disney Plus. I'm not including the Netflix stuff just because, one, I've only seen Daredevil, and you guys know that's in my top ten. But I think just visually, this show looked better than pretty much anything we've gotten from Marvel Television, Disney Plus era. Would you agree? Just like on like cinematography and visually, it was just like looked like a step above typically what we've gotten. Yes, it it was a a step above most non-Loki things because Loki's kind of in its own category and it's especially in its own category when this is like a more grounded thing even though you have the spirit realm things which we'll get into. Yeah, I have Um, some background on all of that too from the comics. And I have some thoughts on just that. that And the third, you know, we'll... I kind of highlighted that during the early conversation, but I definitely feel like it's much more interesting at, I feel like the show to compare this to in terms of the grounded nature and stuff is Falcon and the, and the winter soldier Mm -hmm. in terms of these, this they're both like very hand to hand combat based shows. And this one's just filmed in a, immensely immensely interesting and energetic way compared to falcon and the winter soldier which while it does have some great shots in it the fights don't feel as like you don't feel in them 
as well. And the fights in Echo don't feel hokey at all. Like, you can tell there's, like, actual choreography being put in place that in some instances was probably a one and done shot because of how fluid they were. Um, but I thought the, visually it was on point specifically in that, in that one scene in the first or second ep- ep- episode that I know we're going to get to and go goo goo gaga over. <laughs> um, there are hitting cuts in that. Let's be honest. Yeah. And, and specifically, you know, I'm putting a cap in it. We'll talk about it when we get to it. <laughs> All right. Um, give me one. Okay. Never mind. Oh, you're good. Ah! Got it. That's fine. Um, but visually, I thought it was some of the best we've gotten from Disney Plus era Marvel shows. I think choreography was fantastic. I think it was also nice to really feel like the grounded level of marvel which for 95 percent of the show it felt that way and it felt like you were watching like back in the day a show that would debut on cbs or abc at like yeah o'clock at night like yeah it and, felt and fun to kind of return to that yeah and again this is where we're gonna get into my kind of marvel third act talked talk with the end of this show but I legitimately enjoyed the first two episodes of this s- series. Um, also, I mean, we'll get into it in episode two. But lacrosse is canon in the MCU. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was, <laughs> I, I was, I, I watched that. I was going to text you, but I was like, I don't know if Kyle has seen the second episode yet. But Lax in the MCU. Hello? <laughs> and it was done brilliantly where it was natural and it wasn't like, oh, let's yeah. put a lacrosse stick in some douchebag's room and make it a prop. It was yeah. like actual visual Natives. representation yeah. of the native game. I, I was PLL, where where is your Marvel post at, huh? Oh, Paul huh? Raven Co- tweeted it. Oh. I <laughs> to be fair, I don't follow Paul on Twitter, so that's my fault, but yeah, Still. TL- TLN, the Lacrosse Network, posted the video, and then Paul uh, like repurposed the video and put his own caption into it. So, yeah. very cool um, from that aspect. If but, you're a fan of our company, obviously. The, I as as soon as I'm like Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. Yo, she she put that behind the back pass in there. I was like, oh my, Maya Lopez has some lacrosse in her veins. Um, I also really thought the... (laughs) Put the ring on it. Yes. I really thought the acting was really, really solid across the board. Okay, so... I... Okay. When I say this, I'm not trying to slander the acting at all. But on a certain level... When a lot of your movies done through sign language, to me, it's kind of like wonky and trying to evaluate the acting. Like there are good actors in this show, specifically the grandfather, grandmother, and grandfather. Mm-hmm. I love like, that. The 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 grandmother 
is in Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know the father, remember him from the Last of Us thing when he's the guy in he's the guy in the cabin as they're going out west. Oh shit! Yeah, I thought he looked familiar. I was like, how do I know this face? Like it, they 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 yes. <laughs> it, like they got a lot of good actors in this show, like. Uh, and native uh, actors too, which we talked about on yes. the episode when we broke it all down when the casting got announced. And and uh, and and then, as some people may or may not know, the guy the guy who plays Hen the guy who plays Henry Chosky uh, Ch- Chosky Spencer, mm-hmm. he's in the Twilight movies. Oh. Um, he he was. Uh, he was uh he was in he was in sneaky pete he he was in the uh this he was in this big british like uh like sn- sneaky uh what's i put sneaky show that got released at a weird time but people who watched it in Georgia a lot called uh, called the english so they they got a lot of good actors in this show. So again, I'm not saying the acting is bad. I'm just saying it's weird for me to evaluate certain things when your main character is deaf. And and, and now I will credit them in the filmmaking and saying that how they handle like times when it's like her point of view and she's deaf and it's like all mute. I'm like, great. Let's play it. Yeah, all that. I'm just saying for me, it's a little harder to evaluate acting i um i also saw this because like i've naturally just been watching a lot more things with uh captions on them because sometimes there's hidden things that they put in the captions that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on so i've been doing that just for you know the show purposes um i've seen a lot of people say that like watching it with captions is a benefit and then also a lot of people who are in um you know who are deaf that appreciated the use of captions while seeing somebody using American sign language on their screen. So um, I would recommend watching it with captions. Cause I think it also helps you kind of depict everything that's going on just a little bit more detailed. Um, yeah, I, I also I, love I, this bit real quick. Um, Olaqua Cox told variety um, that the entire echo cast and crew took American sign language classes um she said when i arrived on set i was greeted with hello how are you in sign it was the basics but it was so nice to be able to communicate it made me feel way more comfortable and welcomed so i think that's also like great attention to detail on top of you know the casting director casting native americans for these roles you're also making your main character your main actor and focal point feel more comfortable on a set where this is her first big role in her acting career too Let's also not lose sight of that for everybody yeah. at home. Like Alaka Cox, this is her fir- first big role, and it's in the MCU. Um, so to make her just feel that much more comfortable in a show that is, you know, primarily her as the focus, I think is is really cool. Yeah. Um, and I think the the other aspects of this too, like obviously, Kingpin is a a huge focus in this just because of you don't say the character relation with echo 
I don't feel like I've seen a lot of people saying like Kingpin stole the show. I didn't feel that way. No, I like I think it was he's, great usage of a supporting character who has such a big personality and a big um, both fandom. both both literally and figuratively. Yes, and a a huge like cult fandom from the Netflix Daredevil. Uh, show with Vincent D'Onofrio. I don't think he took away any aspect of the show. I thought he. I thought they used his character perfectly in this show. He. So he 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 he's basically the villain of the show. Basically. Yeah. But it's. But it's not your normal like villain type thing. It's it's a more of a. What's the right way to I. I want to put this up. Lingering presence mm-hmm. through the through the early stretch, and then it kind of flips in the third episode when he shows up. Mm-hmm. But also, this is a show that does a lot of backstory work, so it's not just like it's not just it's not just I'm I'm not gonna butcher the name it. It's not just Aliqua Cox. Like he's he's lingering on and off screen through flashbacks and stuff throughout the film. Like he's basically the co lead. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say he steals the show as much as the show's very much involved with him and his presence, even when he's missing for the better part of two and a half two episodes. I'll use a word that the MCU used before they could say the word mutant. Kingpin enhances the show. Hmm. Yeah. That's a um, that's a good way to put it. And I think you know, we'll talk about it too with the the canonization as well once we finish what it means for Echo's character in the MCU where we could see her showing up again, what her role will be uh moving forward, but Christian for the first time in 2024. Why don't you deliver a sweet, sweet spoiler warning? <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, this is your friendly neighborhood spoiler warning. If you haven't watched this, if you haven't watched the entirety of Echo, please pause this podcast, go and watch it wherever and however you choose to watch it. Come back, pretty please, with the cherry on top, and listen to us talk about it this interesting, enjoyable show we like to call Echo. Thank you. Bang. Uh, so episode one, as you mentioned, Christian, directed by Sidney Freeland, uh, titled Chaffa. Uh, this was one of three episodes, if I'm not mistaken, that gave us the MCU title card sequence to a degree, or had the Marvel Studios logo show up. I do know that two of the episodes, it didn't show up, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, shows up in black and white. Um, I love the intro credit sequence. Um, one thing too, that this show, I think nailed the music selection was awesome. I would, I would say, especially towards the back half when they mix in the mixing like the native versions, I'm like, okay, yeah, they, they're, they're, they're doing things very smartly here. Yeah, the the mix of Native American music with uh, just, like, era-specific songs. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but when 
it happened and we'll talk about it in the episode when rob zombie came on i was like oh my fucking god this rules uh yeah there's mm, i'll save it so so bring bring up that needle drop when 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 we get to it but i but there's a larger talking point i want to have on that good reference there i like the needle drop reference um well no no like that's just literally what people call it fair um episode one titled chaffa um i also enjoy going back in time which we've done with maya before the happenings of iron man one i like seeing like mcu before all that happens and typically when we get introduced to young maya it's 2007 which is a year before the events of iron man one um we kind of see where her origin of you know her prosthetic leg comes into play as she gets in a car accident um while she's camping in the backyard with her best friend she comes inside asks her mom for hot chocolate they ran out so they're going to the store and uh the brakes are cut and maya and her mother end up in a car accident and uh that's how we find out how Maya's mom passes away. And after that, you know, we see Maya's grandma not too happy with Maya's dad. And Maya's dad took a, a job in New York. And that's when Maya moves away and how she gets uh, introduced to New York and New York City as a whole. Um, and that job that her father took was becoming a commander of the tracksuit mafia, which obviously we know as kind of the the henchman of kingpin and kind of doing criminal underworld type of things in the mcu we saw them obviously in hawkeye as well with the uh trust a bro moving company and uh <laughs> you can't trust a bro you can't no. trust a bro um and then we, this episode, like we mentioned, it is littered with a lot of previously on Hawkeye scenes that kind of refresh your memory a bit. And to be fair, you know, it's been a little over two years since Hawkeye debuted on Disney Plus. So to kind of get a refresher without watching all the episodes of Hawkeye was pretty nice. And the one, it gave you information that was uh, necessary for what this show entailed. Uh, got a nice little cameo of Jeremy Renner as well as the Ronin. So here's here's probably my like most interesting thing in terms of that. Specifically, when did they film that? Film Hawkeye? N no, no. When did they film that specific thing? Like, did they film that mm. during Hawkeye, or did they literally have to drag Renner back? for one scene that he basically I, already shot. I think that was pulled from Hawkeye. Did 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 we have that angle of the fight? I think so. I don't remember. That's Unless it was, you know, I would assume that it was kind of B-roll that wasn't used. Probably, yeah. That and M MCU confusion engage. <laughs> um, you know, we get Wilson Fisk and we get that scene in the, the karate dojo as well. And then flips to 
to my uh, present day training in a gym, which is very relevant to uh, the the Daredevil space of the MCU, obviously, with the uh, the boxing background of Daredevil and seeing Maya fighting and everything. Um, we do see, you know, the the actual blade go through Maya's dad, which we didn't see in Hawkeye because it was not TVMA. Welcome to TVMA, guys. I was like, let's go. Um, let's go, people. <laughs> let's go. I get to see people killed. Mm. <laughs> Fisk uh, arranges for Maya to work under him, promising to find uh, her dad's killer. She goes on a mission, which I thought was really cool, the way that that was uh, all transpired, you know, getting into uh, the meeting, as it was referred to, and then we get our first fight scene of Echo uh as i don't know if that was tracksuit mafia on tracksuit mafia crime or not but nonetheless i thought it was a very fun fight scene that then uh crashing through the window is our our boy matt murdoch welcome back to the mcu brother daredevil comes on in so is this the rob zombie scene i forget no no. That was episode three or four when okay, they're in the, well, uh, in the roller rink. Okay. But, um, so this is a scene that, A, this is extremely well shot. Like, this entire fight se- sequence, because you understand where, you understand where where everything is in the room it's just the fight continuity is off the charts but it's also filmed in an engaging way and my closest come comparison and now i know people are calling this der- der- derivative on twitter but it it has the there's lots of fights in this series that had the vibes of movies like upgrade and the john wick films because of how kind of, because you kind of have that br- brutal string, but you're it's also you are more engaged than you would typically be. I I would say. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah the the fight choreo between Maya and Daredevil was sick. Using the uh, the silhouettes was awesome to kind of have that that golden hour beaming through the warehouse. Um, I enjoyed that, and you know, Daredevil being Daredevil knocks the guns out of Maya's hands. Like, ah, uh-uh, ah, uh-uh. we don't use guns. Uh-uh. Here. We don't use guns here. Um, so then, we then see Maya encountering uh, Clint Barton after learning Fisk arranged for her dad's death, avenges her father by shooting Wilson Fisk in the eye. Victory dead. Is shooting him dead. Dead. As everyone thought. I was like, how did you kill Kingpin? I can't believe you, you killed off Vincent D'Onofrio for bringing him back for just this show. All you morons two years ago who thought Kingpin was dead. All I have to say is you, hi, idiots. How we doing? Hello um, there. If you knew anything about the source material, which thankfully <sighs> they have used, this happens in the comics where Wilson Fisk gets shot in both eyes, not just one. Um... Uh, Spoiler alert. <laughs> wee woo, wee woo. Um, and we finally see that transpire there. And then we get a jump cut to five months later, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, would be 
the spring of 2025 in the MCU because I believe Hawkeye occurred winter 2024. You know the dates better than me, brother. So don't quote me on that, everybody, but I'm pretty sure when that five-month jump cut happens, it's like spring of like May. Everyone quote Kyle. Everyone quote sure. Kyle. <laughs> sure. Drop the quotes on my head. Make the quote cards. I I am here to be quoted. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it's like May of 2025 when that rolls around. We get Maya returning to Oklahoma. We She's got a giant gash wound on her that she uses uh, dental floss to uh, patch up, which made me cringe beyond words. Maybe not the most sanitary way. but At all. Um, and then we, we get wholesome comfort character introduction as well, Christian. Tell, please tell tell me. You gotta love biscuits. <laughs> I, dog. I always love a good dog. I always love a good dog. Biscuits is a true dog. Um, her is cousin, he is he a water dog? Hey, <laughs> maybe just maybe. Uh, but Maya's cousin Biscuits is just that perfect MCU comedic relief comedy character that you fall in love with and if they ever harm biscuits we riot because biscuits is pure and good for the soul food for the soul um and we also get introduced to her uncle henry uh and maya asks henry to help her dismantle fisk's operations so she can take over his empire because there's been a king for too long, and it's time for a queen. Um, Henry refuses to help her at first. Um, and then the final scene we get of this episode is Wilson Fisk in a hospital bed, breathing ever so softly, recovering from his injury. Yep. Even with all of the... Uh, previously on quote unquote of Hawkeye intertwined in this episode. I don't think it was poorly used. I think it, it made sense to a degree to use some of that to kind of just rejog your memory of, of where things were going. If you haven't seen Hawkeye in, in the last two years. Um, and I thought it progressed really well in this episode. And I think the series as a whole for the most part did a really good job of just like plot progression for what this miniseries is um i thought the the character introductions were were solid and you you kind of get the the ground level basis of where you're gonna go in this show and what the struggle maya is dealing with uh between yeah kind of links to and her her demons with wilson fisk and trying to uh take him down Take down the big man, the big Take dog. The big dog. Um, so overall, Christian, what are your, your overall thoughts on this episode and then your score for uh, episode one, Chaffa? So I don't know if I can really do an episode by episode grade for this as as much as I can do like a general season grade. But I feel like it was a solid intro. I feel like specifically when it came to the fighting stuff it was very very good i i do find 
that cousin who drives the truck and has biscuits moderately annoying? Well, his that is biscuits. No, oh, well, you, you 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 know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but I I I find him moderately just a, annoying to a certain degree. But I it's it's a very solid solid episode. It was That's, um. I'll say. I thought this episode was like very calculated, in like a sense of like attention to detail. A little bit of fan service with the one Daredevil scene, because we don't see him again the rest of the season or series. Um, you know, you bring him in, and it's like, oh shit, there's there's Matt Murdock. My God, um, it's Kane. <laughs> that's Daredevil's music. Um, and I think they they just did a really good job of laying the groundwork for what this show was. So I was really impressed, and it was like. As I was watching it, I was like, okay, I, I'm ready to dive into another episode. And there it was, another episode available. And I think f as, as a whole, they did a good job with this show lining up to be bingeable the way that it was. Yeah. Um, so we get the, the second episode titled Loak, which is the episode that introduces you to the first ancestor of Maya Lopez, who is just an absolute stud at the sport of lacrosse or stickball in this instance, as we get introduced to uh, the sport. Do you play stickball, bro? <laughs> in the year 1200 AD in what is modern day Alabama. Um, I thought that scene was so cool. Yeah. Obviously my lacrosse background and hosting OTB and everything, but I thought they did such a great job um, with the representation. No, no bias at all. None at no. all. Just from a flat-out <laughs> fan of the sport, I was like, this is how you showcase lacrosse in a show. This is it, You take away the Brads and Chads and, and the douchebag mantra that lacrosse has had, and you showcase where it came from. It's an indigenous sport. And you show the different styles and how it was played, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I thought it was so brilliantly done. Um, this episode was very fun in a sense of where you get more background on Maya and her ancestors and her family and, and where things tap in for her as a character along with the dynamic of more Kingpin kind of showcased a little bit and you get the family dynamics of Maya Lopez post mother passing away, post moving to New York and where things progress for her in New York city while also returning to, uh, to Oklahoma. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think there's like, uh, go, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll, oh, no, go ahead. I'll no, no, I, I lost my train of thought immediately. Um, I'm just trying to pull up one thing here. Because with episode two, it was, it was a lot of like that ancestral background and, and, 
kind of the the look into what has Maya so on edge of, of trying to dethrone Kingpin and where that relationship kind of started to fray and why she shot him in the eyes and where all of this pent-up aggression and anger kind of comes from. Yeah. Um, trying to scroll here. The, the other aspect of it is, you know, you, you get the, uh, I think it's funny that you brought up Falcon and Winter Soldier because there was the train scene in that as well. I thought Echo was like Marvel's redemption for a train scene because that overall scene was awesome in Echo. Um, you kind of get tapped into the the cosmic family ancestral, you know, inner self powers of Maya to release her leg from the train. Um, yeah. But man, the fact that she packed that bomb in that train and went and blew up the whole warehouse was some of the most badass shit we've seen from a Marvel character. In she a long did time. not care. She said, you want to fuck around, you will find out. Um, and just the way that it was packed in there, just opening the lid, boom, there goes the dynamite. Um, that was That was like getting back to the Daredevil roots of marvel television which was very fun to uh to dive into but i thought the train scene was great it, it kept you kind of like oh shit what's gonna happen um you get the dynamic between her and her family with biscuits and him being the getaway driver in the grandma's truck and he almost totals the truck by doing it um and i mean i i found this episode super enjoyable there was a lot of like plot progression in this episode and really like laid the overall like foundation for the the character arc in this show specifically for Maya Lopez. Totally agree. Like it, 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 it was, how, how do I want to put this? It's not like a br- I'm not going to use the word bridge episode, but it does a good job of like doing the of kind of transitioning about why are they here and actually giving some stakes to the show. Like this, this is where the stakes kind of kick in and be like, okay, like we're, we're actually doing stuff here. Yeah. This starts to give you kind of like, an idea of where the payoff is going to get you to. Um, and I, I found this episode super enjoyable. The family dynamics in this one were great. And uh, I thought overall, like one of the be- uh, top of the line of the five episodes for me was episode two. I, w- I-, I would probably agree. I would, I would I would have to really think about which episode I have ranked the highest, but definitely episode two is has some great great stuff in it. Um, which brings us to the mid season report, Echo episode three. 
Um, I think this episode really was a lot of fun because if I'm not mistaken, this is the one that started off with the old school TV kind of vibe to it. Yeah. It was bouncing back and forth. I thought that was so brilliantly done and really like kept you hooked on what the show actually was while also relaying like the the full on underlying tone of the show which is about channeling your ancestry and your your family to to get to where you want to be yeah it it, it definitely had me confused at first because i was like what's going on like, I, <laughs> I i i am extremely confused about why i'm having this old-timey silent, silent movie type thing going on and by the end of it it made sense i'm like oh okay yeah. cool nice but i it was it, it was deeply confusing just straight up open with that i'm like hello <laughs> um so yeah it opens with an old black and white story of tucklow uh played by danny mccallum that pays homage to classic westerns uh the men that tucklow describes as the light horse police which what a cool badass name for your crew the light horse police um deny her the right to fight because she's a woman sounds very familiar Mulan. No comment. Mulan, anyone. Uh, Because we also got a Lion King reference in this show, which I was like, oh, Lion King. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever the light touches is yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, (laughs) at first I was thinking of like a a, like more hidden one. I'm like, oh, no, Junkyard, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, that that one. Isn't that from the Lion King? (laughs) Yeah. That was great. Yeah, that was great. Lion King canon in the MCU, um, but sh- she ends up uh, using the same powers as her ancestor Loak to save them when they need it most. And then we cut back to present day where uh, Chula, who is Maya's grandma, goes to visit Scully's pawn shop, and he tells her she needs to let go of her pride before she loses Maya forever. Um, and that's also when we kind of find out that her grandparents are not together anymore um also in episode two uh with the bowling alley we find out that there's evil afoot aka a snitch working for maya's uncle um, uh, i mean we i mean we kind of could tell in that first episode if we're yeah. being honest he's scumbag vicky um as they said in the fairly odd parents icky vicky ew ew um, hey, hey, Vicky, you're so, so sicky. <laughs> Again, things things just ingrained in my brain growing up. Uh, Vicky has a plan to hand Maya over to Zane, played by Andrew Howard, for a big payout. Uh, Maya's out for a walk in the woods when she has a vision of her ancestors before someone ambushes her from behind, hits her with like a chloroform towel, almost, is what it looked like. Um, and she awakens to find herself hanging upside down in the bowling alley where Uncle Henry is also tied up and upside down bowling alley. What is this, Stranger Things? Um, Bonnie arrives at the bowling alley looking for Maya and Uncle Henry, not knowing they're currently captives. And Vicky and his crew briefly free Uncle Henry and let him talk to Bonnie, talk Bonnie into leaving. Um, but she that doesn't whole, get to leave, really. Yeah, that whole discussion was hilarious too. That uh, talking said code that the IRS was coming after him and that he shouldn't have put a lien on the the skates and everything. I was like, bro, what are you talking about? It's code. 
the captors bring Bonnie to the same room as Maya, where she's now face-to-face with her old friend. And Maya uses a knife. That's not a knife. This is a knife. It's so hard to do that accent. Forget it. I'm done. I'm done. I can't, I can't do it. That's not a that, knife. This is a knife. <laughs> which, 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 that knife, that knife is in her prosthetic. In her boot. In her boot. There's, an, there's a knife in my boot. There's a snake in my boot. Uh, she uses the knife in her boot to cut herself and Bonnie free. But Bonnie has some choice words for her, basically saying, you know, could have reached out, all the missed emails, texts, messages, and you never reached back out. And we kind of see the, the inner workings of that friendship kind of coming to a crossroads and, and figuring out why Maya, for Bonnie's best interest, kind of, you know, cut things off. And then Bonnie wondering, you know, what the hell happened? Um, Bonnie calls it, it, out Maya. It was really a kumbaya, like kumbaya, come to Jesus type moment. It was was an airing of grievances. (laughs) (sighs) Where's Jason Alexander when you need him? With a whole lot of yada yada in between. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Bonnie calls out Maya on never returning home or any of her phone, uh, phone calls or texts before they can finish their conversation. They get into a scuffle with the captors who can't kill Maya if they want to get paid. And Maya uses skate repair tools to make herself a weapon and escape from the locked room. Uh, the buyers arrive and they are immediately recognizable as the crew from the DX or the D9X shipment Maya blew up in episode two. Uh, the buyers murder Vicky after they realize he is no longer capable of of handing over Maya, and that was some of the goriest shit we've gotten in the MCU yeah. to date. You knew homie. You knew homie was dead as soon as those people stepped stepped in the stepped ste- stepped in the place. That was as soon as he keeled over, and you see his face just all the blood oh, yeah. over it. I was like, Marvel, we're doing it. Well done. Wel- welcome to the twenty for. Uh, welcome to the twenty twenties. I was like, here we go. Uh, Maya turns on the music, turns off the lights, and takes out the buyers one by one. And this is where Dragula by Rob Zombie kicked in. And man, was that fucking awesome. In the laser tag thing, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. All the black lights and everything was yeah, I, so sick. Like, was... the, 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 this is what I'm saying, like, there's like good grounded hand to hand filmmaking in this show. I just wish it like kind of stayed in this spot through like throughout the show rather than kind of kicking into the you know I I know there's a reason it kicks into the spiritual gear, but the problem is it's it it's not quite a Marvel CGI third 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 uh, third act joke that we're gonna be going into, 
but it's switching to the spiritual thing as basically the focal point of the back ha- of the of the basically the back half of the season is kind of annoying when you've done basically three great grounded episodes like it's it's the same problem i had with i had with shang chi where that's a great like like that that that's a pretty good comic book movie for the first two acts and then we have dragons in the third act and it's like we we were doing a hand-to-hand fighting movie for two-thirds and then we go wuju dragon mumbo jumbo i'm like um you were going so well too um as i was watching as soon as rob zombie kicked on i was sitting on my couch and i felt like beavis and butthead (laughs) (laughs) i was like let's go this was it was so sick um like that's the type of stuff that like i feel like you and i and even dylan like have been like clamoring for from the MCU is that type of scenery, but also like using music to your advantage as well. Like, I feel like that's something that some Marvel projects hit on some projects. Guardians, 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 WandaVision. I, I also feel like when it comes to needle drops, either the director slash writer do or don't know how to do it. Like, James Gunn, Edgar Wright, um, Martin Scorsese, they, uh, Baz Luhrmann to a certain degree, even though he, like, remixes the shit stuff, like, they, they know how to take a pop song and put it into something. I don't, like, we don't know what which which MCU directors are and are not comfortable with that Ryan type of Coogler's stuff. another one. Oh yeah, well I'm I mean that entire Black Panther soundtrack is basically just a pop out album because didn't they grab Kendrick and a bunch of people? Like it's 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 but kind they used of like, it well. Like you can yeah, have Kendrick and it's like oh okay they yeah, like, Kendrick I'm, for the sake of using Kendrick. But, like I'm not going to say that the Spider-Verse movies are full of needle drops because they have Metro Boomin making songs for it. But if you look at the first Spider-Verse movie, that hypnotized needle drop is one of my favorite needle drops because A, that song is a vibe. B, it's definitely a song that Uncle Arid would have. Because he he like grew 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 up then and B and and B it, it, it is New York which was the base of Biggie which makes it even better I'm like okay yeah like yes that that is a great great ne- ne- needle drop so it's it this is why I'm very much and this is why I'm very much on the train of like MCU. As much as I understand, like the hiring the indie directors, so you can, so and hiring the indie directors to direct the films, hire directors who like have the vision and stuff, 
of these like hire directors, directors, and not just go like, oh, I'm gonna pick out this indie person or that in indie person because like Destin Daniel Cretton, like he made Short Term Twelve and and kind of these other like smaller superhero ish things. James Gunn was the same kind of way. So it's like you pick the right creatives and like the 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 real needle drop test to me is is if we ever get it blade mm-hmm. because if we remember those original blade films like the it is begging that blade film is begging to have some amazing needle drop in it especially because aren't they letting it be radar Mm-hmm. Like, come on! Like you, <laughs> you have to have a good new drop in there, and and if you don't, you are wasting that property. Yeah. Um. You know, and and as that fight scene continues, like it just gets better and better. It's one of the the best scenes overall, I think, in this series. Um, outside the bowling alley, once Zane walks in with a gun to Bonnie's head, they're about to. Uh, pop pop on both of them when they get a call that orders them to fall back <laughs> who could that be who, who could, could that be, be? Like, that, uh, that, that, that was that was the most like okay i guess he's out of the hospital now m- m- moment i could i could possibly imagine it was like okay we know what's coming next now guys <laughs> it was great um so then Maya insists, or Uncle Henry tells Maya that Kingpin is the only one who could have called off Zane, but Maya insists that he's dead. Psych. Grandpa, <laughs> you got the wrong, wrong number. number. Oh! Uh, Grandpa Scully stops by the house to drop off Maya's new prosthetic, and the two share a sweet moment where he tries to convince her to go visit her grandmother. And as the episode concludes, Maya returns home to find Kingpin on her doorstep. And the screen fades to black, and he's got that bandage over his eye, and it was like, oh, shit. Like, you knew it was coming, that he was going to show up towards the end of the episode after the phone call happens and everything, but the way they brought him into that final scene was so, like, jaw drop moment, like, oh, shit, like, it's about to get real, and, like, it's hard to do that when you know something's coming, but it still catches you like in a state of shock. I thought they did such a good job of bringing Kingpin back into the fold after he gets out of the hospital. Can can we can we talk about that? Uh, can we talk about that healing technology that's used on his eye? Like, <laughs> and I need to know who. Well, I did see a theory about. Uh, because obviously once we get into episode four, there's a nice little piece of technological advancement uh, with Kingpin and Maya and a nice little contact lens. I wanted to get your thoughts too, just to see if you had any. Um, Where the hell is Kingpin getting this tech from? I mean, how many in-universe places could we really guess? Because... First, we're going to start A. It is not Wakanda. I'm saying that period straight straight up. I don't think it would be Ironheart because she's too pure. 
has someone taken over Stark Technologies and does secret me- medical tech? I I have a weird little hunch. This is this is all going to stem back to as we talked about earlier Falcon Winter Soldier, the quote unquote power broker. Karen oh no. Carter. Because Crush, also, where, where where has she been? Like real, exactly, real talk. Exactly. And in episode two, I don't know if you caught it, but Biscuits subtly drops a location that we haven't heard since the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Talking about buying things from Madripoor. I don't remember that, but cheers. Uh, when they're in the pawn shop and everything, and the people were there like looking at stuff, and he's like trying to convince the people to buy it. He dropped. I said. I was full on Leo meme. I said he said Madripoor. But, um, okay, so uh, my other theory I, is Justin Hammer is still kicking yeah, around okay. in prison. So, so yeah, that's we know he's supposedly involved in Iron Wars. Oh yeah. So that would make sense. The Sharon Carter thing would also make sense, but at the same time, where the fuck are you, girl? Where the fuck are you? We haven't seen your ass in forever. Because who the hell was she on the phone with at the end of that show? Like, that's a good I'm not, way I'm, to. I'm, I'm not gonna rage on Phase Four. I'm not gonna rage on Phase Four. I'm not going to rage on Phase Four. I'm not going to get into this. Because here's not... my thing too. I'm still fully convinced she's not the power broker. Yeah, I think the power broker is Kingpin. God, I'm not allowed to do this. I'm not. A, mm-hmm. The frustrations of that entire phase and how we still don't have an- answers and how it's like Shang Chi's rings are ten thousand years old and they have a beacon in them that we can't do, and then it's like Captain Marvel's there and Wong's there, and we still haven't had that explained. There's, <laughs> there's, also, there's, there's also a giant celestial in the area. Uh, yeah, I've, I've. I, I've I've given up on that. I've I've given up on them trying to actually acknowledge that at uh, at this point. I I literally just feel like outside of Kit Harrington probably showing up in Blade, I don't think they're going to acknowledge that at all. Like like I I swear we're somehow heading towards like that being a a, a different world and that movie just being fucking pointless. Like, like, congrats, we're going to Secret Wars, now it's just a totally different world, totally different universe, that, that, that was, that, that, that was Earth 2112. That's the universe that Monica Rambeau showed up in at the end of the Marvels. (laughs) God, that entire phase, like, oh god, like, I, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Kyle, we 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 found the social clip. We found the social clip, folks. This entire <laughs> okay. Hold on. I I I now have to send us on a segue just because I can't do this because you dragged Lord. me into that <laughs> Marvel Phase Four. Right, right. Four, four, yeah. not five. Yeah. All right. I'm dragging this us back in because we have to unpack it. Okay, Black Widow. Shit. 
<laughs> it only served. It only served. It only served to to introduce Florence Pugh's character and segue us. And it it literally only served as a. It's not a Black Widow movie. It's a it's a Yelena movie and a David Harbor movie. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 basically serves the purpose. To set up one of the villains of Hawkeye and one and Thunderbolts half, and one half of the Thunderbolts, right? <laughs> not even one half of Thunderbolts, like one third, one fourth of their members. Yeah, it's it's half of them. It's it's David Harbor, it's Florence Pugh, and Taskmaster. There has to be more of them. <laughs> there has to be more. <laughs> Hold on. There has to be more of them. And then it's Bucky, Ghost okay. from Ant Man Two. Uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus is the Nick Fury leader of them. And, and then Wyatt, uh, uh, Wyatt, Wyatt Russell. Russell. Okay, so right. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally half. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then we have Shang Chi, which. Congrats on making a standalone movie. What's the fucking point? Like what the like Shang-Chi. Well So do I. But that movie's just a closed circle. For now. It's a closed ring. <laughs> but but it's just like what the Well, mo- it's still kinda open because we don't have answers about that beacon. That ring is still it wide open. It came out in twenty twenty one, brother room twenty twenty four. That ring's still wide open. Someone left the door I know. wide open. <laughs> so, someone forgot to close that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Eternals, which I've already gone on a thing. It's like I'm gonna go delirious. We have No Way Home, which is a literal bottle episode. It's a literal fucking bottle episode. Which, okay, like, are we going to get a, a, like, Tom Holland's now 34 playing college-age Spider-Man now in, like, 2027? Spider-school, spider-school. Like, what the fuck are we doing here at this point? Um, Multiverse of Madness, which, like, I'm happy Sam Sam Raimi tried. It's fun. Wanda's not dead. Um, I, 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 I don't know where we're going after that movie. Like it's we're going yeah. to another dimension with. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Charlie's down. Come on down. No explanation. Right. Cheers. Let's go. Ah, Thor. Thor: Love and Thunder. Here's Hercules, played by Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso. When are we going to see him? Fuck knows. Maybe he'll be in Secret Wars in like 2028 at this point. We'll see him on and the then... Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And um, lest we forget, congrats. Uh, welcome to Val... Well, welcome to the Valhalla post credit scene. Why? <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> dead. That's, that's what. Nobody's dead. Ready? Black... Here's the thing, we already kind of established that in the first Black Panther movie with the other thing. So why do we need another afterlife? Huh? Huh? Anyone wanna explain? And 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 then we go to Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is like, here's Atlantis. Namor's now an ally of Wakanda. Atlantis and Wakanda. Is this ever going to matter? Maybe I don't know. And 
congrats. The uh, what's her name's daughter is named T'Challa, so we don't have to recast T'Challa like Christ, all Christ Almighty, and that's just in the movies. And then if we go to the TV, it's like one division, uh, which basically led into the led into multiple other shows and movies. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is now basically leading into New World Order, which we don't need to unpack how that's how how that now has its own Israel Palestine pr- problem with the Israeli s- superhero's name and everything. Wait, what? <laughs> you haven't caught up on this? No. Oh God. Um. Let me. Uh. So. Uh. Google Captain America, Brave New World. Uh. And I need you to go to the Wikipedia page. And I need you to scroll down to the character, uh, na- the character named Sa- uh, Sa- Sa- uh, Sabra, and just re- and you you don't have to read it out loud, but quickly read that and understand how how this film is actively starting to screw itself. Oh boy! And they're still shooting it. <laughs> Where did you say to scroll to? Uh, character name Sa- Sabra S A B R A. Yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. Kyle, right? <laughs> great. Great. <laughs> what the hell? Exactly. Right? Congrats. We have a black man as Captain America, and yet, and now this movie has to deal with this shit. Congratulations, Mar 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 Marvel. This is what Falcon and the Winter Soldier has has got you. Loki season one. Sure. Hawkeye. Again, it's basically a bottle thing that's used to set up Echo and maybe another Kingpin show. Who knows? And maybe it's setting up for Young Avengers, which who knows whenever we're going to get that smile. Um, then we have Moon Knight, which um, okay, I like like I guess that'll come up in Blade, but I don't know. Like it's 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 unclear where else it could show up. Ms. Ms. Marvel set up the Marvels, which is eh, sure. And then She-Hulk was She-Hulk, and then it's like, oh, congrats, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce had a Hulk son. Wait, what? Like, what are we doing here? Bruce Banner be fucking. It's like, what is this mess? Because we have none of it explained. We have we have no clue how how we're grouping it together. It's like, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? I'm sorry, I have disru- I have derailed us from this Echo talk, but what the actual fuck? But hey, Echo seems to be getting us in a positive direction. Yeah. Okay. And 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 we. I'm I'm sorry for sending us on a tailspin. Let's 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 quickly do these last two episodes of Echo. Given how I've sent us on probably a thirty minute tailspin. <laughs> so we go to episode four, uh, titled Taloa. Um, this gets more into the ancestral background. Um, we get more of Wilson Fisk, Maya, 
connections starts back in 2008 um which is obviously happening during the occurrences of iron man one which i think is a, a fun little nugget there um Maya leaves school, but Fisk watches from afar as the ice cream vendor taunts her about her deafness. Uh, and as a result, and then, <laughs> we, we, get big, we get Big Daddy Kingpin back. He's bitch back, you dead. Uh, That was vintage Wilson Fisk, Vincent D'Onofrio Kingpin. And I was oh, yeah. juiced. Who White suit. Blood on the hands. And then we get kind of a a little Easter egg to Daredevil when you have Wilson Fisk and his dad showing up to beat the shit out of the bully in that episode in season one. You get Maya, you know, kicking some dirt on the ice cream vendor as well, which I found very funny and like, holy shit, Maya's been a badass this whole time. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Um. So then they walk off, and then we fast forward to 2021, which is when Maya's last lessons are done, and this is obviously before the blip. Or no, that's during this is during the blip. I don't. I I yes. you you know the Marvel timeline better than me. This is during the blip, which is fascinating because that means both Kingpin and Echo were not blipped. Because they're around in 2021. Because the blip happens in 2018 and then fast forward five years, 2023. Because 2023 was the actual year of the blip and everyone was Yeah, the, yeah we, there's, there's, outside of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, there's not been, there's, there's not been that many blip consequences, which that's a whole another thing we can unpack outside of like maybe Falcon and the Winter Soldier and like bit and bits and bobs there, but. And Yelena. Yeah, well, that's that's Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like, but but like, there's 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 been surprisingly little impact of that in the in, for the better part of three years of movies and shows at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so that is fascinating. Tucked out in your pockets, Maya and Kingpin not blipped. Um, <clears throat> she and Fisk can only trust one another, and it's time for her to move uh, from theoretical to practical lessons. And then uh, Kingpin's interpreter that he was using gets uh, bodied, <laughs> which I did not see coming. Um, that escalated quickly. Quite quickly. And then we fast forward to present day where Kingpin has Maya held up by her men before handing over a special contact lens that was like, I would have hated to have been watching this in any form of 3D. <sighs> Because the way he reached towards that screen, I was like, "Oh my eye!" <laughs> yeah, um, the, your 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 brain tends to go a different way when 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 a very uh, big and strong monster of a man known for killing people re reaches for one's eye. Let me just let me. I'm gonna touch your eye. It's like the guy that airplane meme. I want to uh, shake your hand. I want to poke your eye. Uh, <laughs> So Kingpin puts in a contact lens uh, into Maya's eye so that it allows for Fisk's words to be translated into sign language so they can communicate with no in-between party. I also like the subtle detail that you could hear 
the end of you know Kingpin's receptor to it, talking very ever so slightly whenever Maya was talking uh, with with American Sign Language. Um, Fisk wants them to have a family dinner, just like old times, old time Sunday dinner. Uh, to which I howled when Maya was like, "It's Thursday." <laughs> <laughs> it that that was quite quite good that was great uh things inevitably get awkward especially as kingpin looks around and sees the life maya has built for herself she pours down a whole expensive ass bottle of wine down the drain the right thing to do because that thing could have been poisoned uh-huh um, fisk promises she can have everything she wants but she needs to come with him back to new york and join him maya interprets this as being a queen pin but when Kingpin leaves and Henry is free, he warns Maya about what this could mean. Maya blames him for leaving her in New York, but Henry admits that he felt scared, was confused, didn't know what he was supposed to do. Uh, and while they talk, Maya and Chula both experience strange Native American visions of the past. Henry rushes Maya over to Chula's place, and when she awakens, the pair end up talking inside, and Maya and Chula have both been experiencing the same visions this, I think, it caught a lot of people off guard because it's supposed to be a grounded show. You're using, you know, ancestral type of, of cosmic level powers in a grounded show. I appreciated it because it, it is straight source material from the comics. And I know we have been very critical on this show of projects in the past. Cough, cough, secret invasion not using source material for their projects. So this was a pleasant, like, clap of the hands from me. Like, yay, we're using source material for a character. Let's go. We're um, actually doing the smart thing. It's right in front of us. It's the SpongeBob clip. It's what we've been waiting for. It's what we wanted all along. Uh... Apparently, <clears throat> apparently Chula saw these same visions, though. When she gave birth to Maya's mother, she was brought out of the hospital and into the wilderness to give birth with a uh, more natural uh, occurrence. And she points out that there's an unbreakable bond between a child and mother. And as they talk, Chula admits that Maya is very similar to her mom. And it was all her father's fault for everything falling apart. And Maya refuses to listen and decides to leave. Uh, and with everything hanging in the balance, Maya shows up at the hotel to see Wilson Fisk with a gun pointed Fisk sits nonchalantly and points out he loves Maya like a daughter and always has Maya is unhappy that Fisk hasn't bothered to learn sign language after all these years pointing this out as a way of using his affection as a smokescreen for his true feelings and then we get a callback that I was like let's fucking go Wilson Fisk opens up a case, and there it is, everybody. I believe it's episode eight of Daredevil season one. We get the hammer, which could also be a little inkling to where he's getting all this tech from. The hammer that Wilson Fisk used to murder his own father to stop him from abusing his mother. I was like, here we go. We're using... Things that line up perfectly to tell the story. I loved that they brought that back into the fold. Yeah, I I, I haven't watched the Daredevil stuff, so I can't 
say as much as you can, but I, I do think that that was a nice touch that can, that's both a, a symbol, a teaser, and possibly simultaneously a threat. And it was used in a way where, like you, you haven't seen Daredevil. You didn't need to see Daredevil to know what it was for. But if you have seen it, it only enhances your appreciation of that scene that much more. Um, so Kingpin explains that he killed his dad to allow himself to move forward in life, hands it over, handing over the hammer, tells Maya to use it on him, but she refuses. Um, how many of the bozos out there that thought Kingpin was killed at the end of Hawkeye thought that Maya was about to kill Kingpin there? Leave a comment in the YouTube comment section. Um, yes, please. <laughs> please out yourself. Show yourself. Um, in the morning, Maya decides to leave completely. And when she does, Fisk realizes his mistake while sitting in his jet, loses his temper, and I thought he was about to tear up the whole plane. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was like, come on, rip something off a wall, do it. It was, uh, it was a nice little ending to this episode that kind of sets up the finale. Um, what were your overall thoughts for episode four, where we kind of were on the, the downslope of the series? Uh, I feel like it was, it, it was a nice philosophical turn in terms of how we get almost like what drives Maya more and kind of the flip side of it but also forces her to reevaluate things and i feel like it did it in a more interesting way than other shows have yeah i i enjoyed this episode a lot there was a lot to it even though it was on the shorter side in terms of runtime um i thought they they packed enough into where it didn't feel crazy rushed and you got a lot out of it um i really enjoyed it and it leads us to the finale which had a lot in it i was surprised how short it was um again it was basically like 30 30 30 minutes yeah and you you get this big build up to you know, the the ancestral aspect of the show. Um, i trying to find the episode name. Um, oh, um... I lost it on my... Echo miniseries. Episode name is Maya. Self-titled. Um, yes. This episode, it, it had a lot in it. Um, builds up to your your big overall boss fight. and Round really one. Fight. Really sets the scene for why you were seeing, you know, episode two with the, the lacrosse scene. Episode three with the black and white TV, uh, you know, montage. And you also see just the connection that Maya now has with her grandmother um, after the passing of her mom and also the connection that she has with her mom. I thought that scene that happens in this episode where she kind of speaks with the spirit of her mom and 
really lets a lot of that built up rage and anger and grief out was so beautiful um, and really helps elevate the character of Echo. We get the name drop of where her name comes from as well, which is really cool. Um, but I, I thought that scene in particular really stuck with me and just like really full circles the the human element along with the ancestral element of a Native American character and where she should be stemming her quote-unquote power from to to really be a, a force for anything she wants to conquer. Yeah. It, it, my only like real kind of like gripe with this episode and it's a dumb one but but you know it, it's to me that kind of back what's her put the back kind of everything coming together it was a kind of anticlimactic in a way in terms of like Okay, we have the guys there, but like Fisk is somewhere, and it kind of feels a little disjointed and disconnected. Just, yeah, just, just in terms of how I felt about it. If I'm not mistaken, the series was supposed to be longer at first. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me with these runtimes. Um, because I'm pretty sure it was either supposed to be seven or nine episodes. Um, which the the final episode was really the only one that felt kind of rushed in a sense where like could have had a much longer um, visual on the powwow. You could have had a much longer visual of the fight scene and like yeah. that kind of like spell itself out. And I also felt like the episode ended kind of abruptly, where like yeah, they shows they... up back home and then it just cuts to the credits. Yeah, it's it's very much yada yada. Where it's where it's like, see, everything's basically fine now. She's she's back home and everything's good. But then we have what what I find to be an objectively hilarious post credit scene. <laughs> like like it is objectively hilarious that of all places they're going there. So lay it out for the people, Christian. Let, let them know what the post credit scene is. Wilson Fisk for Mayor of New York, everyone. Which Jesus Christ, would, man, we're really doing this. <laughs> wouldn't be the first time that Wilson Fisk has run for office in New York because it also occurs in Daredevil that that is an entire arc uh, of that show. So when I saw that coming into the fold, I was like, oh shit. It also made me wonder again is this the same Kingpin? Blah, 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 all that kind of shit. But I think it is now that we know that all of the Netflix shows are, are canonized. But Wilson's going for a second term, boys. <laughs> I. Oh, man. <laughs> like, like, the the TV broadcast basically talk about like wanting a fight. I'm like, oh, no, we're doing this. We're doing Wilson Fisk for mayor. And, uh, you know, Fisk watches a TV news segment in which the anchors discuss the state of New York's 
mayoral race. They declare the voters clearly want someone, quote, who understands the pain they're going through and that, quote, a bare-knuckle brawler would do well in this race, which we all know Kingpin can bare-knuckle brawl. Um, I think this is awesome. I think it clearly is setting up Daredevil Born Again. Um, and I also think this in particular, you know, Maya might have protected her family in Oklahoma from Fisk, but now all of New York might have to fear the inevitable return of Kingpin once again. Um, I think now that we know everything from Netflix is canonized, I think that post credit scene also, without telling you, sets up Maya's next arc, which I think everyone was wondering, where is she going to fit in in the MCU? What's her role going to be? I think Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo, is going to be a part of a New Look Defender squad. Sounds sounds very, very plausible. Because, obviously, her relationship with Kingpin is now frayed. She wants to take him down. Who else wants to take Kingpin down, Christian? Oh, that's right. Our boy Matt Murdock, Daredevil. Jessica Jones is canonized. We haven't seen her in the MCU outside of the Netflix show yet, but I'm sure she is going to make a return because she was supposed to um, in Daredevil Born Again, but scheduling conflicts for the actor uh, made it so that Frank Castle, the Punisher, our guy, is back in that show. Uh, Johnny Boy? Johnny Boy, John Bernthal. Uh, And then I think Luke Cage will be a part of it, and then more than likely a recasting of Iron Fist. And we can see some other street-level characters. Like, this could also be where Moon Knight enters the fray. Uh, Surprise! You know, at the street level, there's a lot of Daredevil and Moon Knight crossover. Um, So we could see Moon Knight join a new-look Defender squad. But I think that's where we see Echo next is obviously in Daredevil. But team-up-wise, I think she's going to be part of a new-look MCU Defenders Probably. Like, I... The, uh... I thought this show was very fun. I thought it did a lot of things very, very well. It was a good start in the right direction to, I think, get just Marvel in general, TV, movie-wise, back in a, a good sense. Like, was it a phenomenal show? No. No. Was it terrible? Absolutely not. Mm. There, there's been a lot more terrible things in the MCU recently than uh, than Echo. Do we need to count them? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> rewind about a half hour and you'll have it. Um, I think TV-wise, where do you think this falls for you, Marvel Cinematic Universe? Where do you think this kind of like falls in line with hmm like tier level of like it shows it's i i definitely feel like it's in the upper third mm-hmm. how far into the upper third i i i'm not sure but but it's definitely one of the better mc 
M- MCU shows by a decent margin. I think right now, just like off the top of my head and strictly talking live action, probably, probably top four. Because hmm. obviously you and I, same page, Loki is a top dog. I think WandaVision is still a top dog, which says a lot about how things have transpired MCU TV wise is that the first show was that successful and that great. Uh, and I think Moon Knight was extremely well done and is in that echelon as well. But I think Echo's like right there visually pace wise, enjoyment level wise, fan service to a degree and just overall as a as a five part miniseries, I I think it's definitely in the top there. It might be it might be on the the current Mount Rushmore of MCU shows in the Disney Plus era. And then, and and that just feels bad to say, given how much stuff they've made. Because uh. I think Echo better than um better than Hawkeye. Better than Secret Invasion by far. Yeah, that 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 one still hurts me so much. Yeah, um, I think it's better than Miss Marvel. Um, better than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That has its own issues, obviously, because of all the script rewrites from when it was released. Um, am I forgetting anything? Um, it, excluding the what if stuff. Yeah, just talk about um, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, She Hulk. Oh, it's better than She Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 probably top four, top five. Yeah, I think there's an argument like depending on how one enjoyed Moon Knight. Yeah. I think it's probably three or four. Which, hey, one, good on Echo and everybody involved in the project. And two, step your game up, MCU. Which it seems Come like on, you did. man! Seems like you did with Echo. I also loved at the end, too, the the thank you screen yeah. for the Choctaw Nation in Oklahoma. I thought that was really awesome um, to give that recognition. And just further, like, put the bow on top of how the attention to detail and the the care for the Native American culture in the show, the American Sign Language aspect of the show was so well taken care of, um, was really well done. Which, Christian, it brings us to the first time in 2024. Big We're putting a grade in the book. Where are you ranking Echo on your scale? So I'm going to give it two scales here. On the MCU scale... I'm giving it an eight. Okay. On the normal movie scale, normal movie show, I'm giving it a six. Okay. Just because I should I should I run it down the middle and put a seven in the book? I guess. Sure. It just because like to me, this show does things good. Hold on. To me, this this show does some things good, but I feel like it still 
falls afoul of some of the issues that have just been plaguing it for the better part of three, uh, better part of three years. So it's just you're you're getting there, but I need you to get just fix a few more things. I'll I'll follow in your footsteps, and I think we can implement this moving forward um, with an MCU grade and a a regular television grade because I think some things need that that MCU bump versus regular TV. Um, I think on a regular TV scale, I'd give this like a 7.6. And on the MCU scale, I'll, I'll give it like an 8.5. Yeah, sure. So I'll quick math twice at home. 7, seven 6, 8, 5. So you're, uh, that's uh, 0.1 carry it 16.1. So that uh, to an 8.05. So we're basically at a seven and a half on the average thing, right? Which I think for most recent era MCU, that's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, like, like that's nothing to be ashamed of at all. Yeah, um, I enjoyed this. I thought the casting was exceptional, and I love that you brought to light who uh, her grandfather was for me because I couldn't put my thumb on it. But I knew he looked familiar. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna quadruple ch- check check that. Um, Graham Green, Graham Green. There's a long list. Of, yep, he did appear in The Last of Us, and you may also know him as where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where to go? Oh, um, wait, was I looking at the right thing? Hmm. Yeah, never, never, never mind. I, I read Winter's Tale, and my mind went to the, my mind went to the fit went went to the animated fish movie, which is not called Winter's Tale. But yeah, the, the yeah okay. <laughs> Dis- disregard, disregard. I uh yeah, so that gives Echo a seven point six out of ten in the book, which if we look back nice. at last year's sheet, um in terms of Marvel projects, it fully clears Secret Invasion by a large margin. Pain. It's um, so painful. And then it also clears In a lot of aspects, it, it's in the it's in that upper echelon uh, for the MCU. So, well done to Echo and everybody involved. And uh, I'm hip, looking hip. forward to seeing how the rest of the Marvel Spotlight stuff plays out because I think that's going to be a fascinating aspect to the MCU. Um, when you brought up the animated fishtail movie, though, Christian, I brought into mind this TikTok that I saw recently oh, no. that would be hilarious for us to do in person. Um, these kids in like 2021, they were on Apple TV and using, they would like have suggestions and two movies. So you'd have one movie to start on and you'd have to use Apple TV's recommended section to get to the other movie. Uh huh. That would be so funny for us to do in person. <laughs> uh, soon, hopefully. 
let's uh let's shift gears to what if season two episodes one through four these will be easy to kind of yeah. bang through they're fun it's entertaining um i don't know if you picked up on this which i'm sure you did because of the movie connoisseur you are a lot of uh 80s movie undertones so far in what if season two yep which was kind of hinted at at the Disney Expo that they had when they announced What If Season 2 because um, a lot of the people that worked on the projects said that they were inspired by 80s movies and we kick things off with the first one and it's totally Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what if Nebula joined the Nova Corps was this episode and what if nebula was a cop (laughs) what if nebula was harrison ford (laughs) and um i thought this episode was super fun there's a lot of like quirky aspects to it i love that howard the duck is like the 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 big dog in the the casino the rock paper scissors jokes were amazing um and if I see Nebula scream or in pain one more time, we're going to have problems, Marvel. Stop messing with my girl. Yeah. She 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 is really gotten she's really gotten the rough end of the stick for the better part of I don't know what the last 7 years <laughs> at least. Um what were your overall thoughts on this episode as a whole for uh what if season 2's intro? So I'm gonna fully say that I kind of started this one and I got a little bored with, with with it, so I can really only truly comment on three and four. But uh, but but I found it interesting. I guess it's just I didn't have as much attachment to the whole Novacore thing as like you maybe. Yeah, the Novacore thing's interesting um, for anybody that doesn't really know what the Nova Corps is, think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. It's what John C. Riley's character is a part of. Um, See, I, I I wouldn't have known that. That's the Nova Corps. Um, there's a lot of parallels to Guardians Volume 1 in this episode. You have the prison scene where in Guardians Volume 1, Groot just like rips out all the cables, and this one, like everyone gets released because of uh, of Nebula kind of just releasing everybody but uh you you have some character switch ups like the the main guy that gets released from the prison like he's typically a decent guy in guardians volume one he ends up being a villain alongside uh the the ultimate nova supreme it was a fun episode i don't know i've only gotten to the first four like christian has so I don't know how much this episode will tie in to the overall ending of what if season two. I don't know if there is a similar aspect to it like there was with season one with the team up of the, uh, of everybody at the end, but it was fun. It felt like a standalone episode of what if for the most part, um, there were parts where I, I also felt like I was checking out a little bit, but Overall, it was, it was fun, and if you know Blade Runner, I think you'll you'll really enjoy it. Which, which, which I know Blade Runner. Though I prefer Blade Runner twenty forty nine, 
which to some people is a controversial opinion, but but that's a war people continue to wage to this day. So that is uh, what if Nebula joined the Nova Corps. Good episode, solid start to the season. Uh, it was directed by Stephen Frank and written by Matthew Chauncey. Uh, <laughs> oh no, what? S- Stephen Frank, did you know... Uh, in 2013, he received an Annie Award nomination for Best Director for a direct-to-video or TV broadcast. Do you know what project it was for? I feel like I should be extremely concerned. Go ahead. The Smurfs, The Legend of Smurfy Hollow. <laughs> Again, this is why I say Marvel hire actual people. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, dear. That's so funny. That's like his big project outside of what if. (laughs) Uh... Matthew Chauncey is uh, also a writer on almost every episode. It's a a mix of Matthew Chauncey, A.C. Bradley, and Ryan Little um, for this season. But we move to episode two. What if... Peter Quill attacked Earth's mightiest heroes. Dum da dum dum. Dum da dum dum. My biggest takeaway from this episode. I don't know if you picked up on this at all. It feels like any team up in the cosmic space or with Earth about to perish, it only happens if Thor is involved. Interesting. So you have the original Avengers. Mm-hmm. You have Thor teaming up with the Guardians of the Galaxy. You have the Guardians of the Multiverse in What If Season 1. Thor involved. Party Thor. Yeah. And now you have Thor coming through in this to stop Peter Quill out of the clouds, literally. Off the top rope. <laughs> By God, that's Thor's music. Um... It's very interesting, though, that Thor is kind of the linchpin to the cosmic team-up events. Um, This episode was really fun. You get a a new look at a bunch of different characters. Hank Pym as Ant-Man. King T'Chaka being T'Challa's father. Um, You get get a Gorbachev name drop. (laughs) And Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, coming through. Um, you get Howard Stark, you get Peggy Carter, and they say, oh, Bucky, that, that looks just like him. Yeah, well, Howard, look out, because in three years, that guy's yeah. coming for your ass. <laughs> um, you also have, uh, trying to remember who else was in that team up. I didn't. I didn't recognize the one guy that was uh, getting all big, like Ant Man type. Uh, what if? I'd like to look at what if season two, please. Uh, Wendy Lawson, who was uh, in Captain Marvel, 
the first Captain Marvel movie. She's the one that worked uh, on Project Pegasus. Um, and Hope's involved. also there? Hope is there as a kid. Um, Bill Foster? Yeah, I don't know who Bill Foster is. Yeah, the, 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 this, this is certainly a... This is a group of people we can confirm. It's a whole squad. Um, we get we get ego as well, and kind of get. I think the best way to portray his living planet powers uh, would be in animation, and I think they they did that for sure. I thought it was interesting to kind of have the the Peter Quill taking over as a the world beater in this one as a kid. Excuse me, as a kid, and doing Ego's deeds as uh, Yondu dropped him off to uh, not be a Ravager. I think that's also another like alternate title. It's like, what if Yondu didn't keep Peter Quill under his wing? <laughs> what if Yondu didn't keep Peter Quill under? Everybody did. And then uh, Peter Quill's like, "You killed my mama. You're done." Bye, Felicia. Bye, bye, Kurt Russell. <laughs> um, and then you have the, the line, what do you call this? Light beer? <laughs> and then, uh, it feels like this team-up event could last um, in the what-if universe to a degree. It's obviously kind of in the past because you have an older Peggy Carter, you have older... Uh, Howard Stark, you have uh, Hank Pym kind of doing his thing as well, and it was a fun episode. I I enjoyed this one. It was uh, it was the full MCU experience. Yeah, know, like thirty minute episode. What? So on it was uh, Ant Man, Peggy Carter, Howard Stark, Ego, Thor. Lawrence Fishburne plays Bill Foster slash Goliath. Oh, uh, okay. That's who that was. Yeah. And then Gene Farber is Karpov. I don't know who that is. Got it. Uh, yeah, so this was like a spin on the alternative Avengers is what a lot of people are calling it in 1988. Um, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was very fun and uh, obviously very what if because you get a different look at fights in the MCU and how things would, would go down. Um, but Christian, I will give you the floor for episode three. What it's- if... Happy Hogan saved Christmas. What if MCU kind of did Die Hard? <laughs> because it kind of does Die Hard. It's I find it less interesting than Die Hard, but it's definitely I I I, I definitely had a had a good time watching this. I can give you a a wheel of fortune before and after for this episode. Okay. Happy Hulk Hogan. Hmm. We got Purple Hulk. Purple Hulk, Red Hulk, Green Hulk. We're going to have the Teletubbies by the time we're done. 
<laughs> you get the Hulk, and you get the Hulk, and you get the Hulk. Everybody gets a Hulk. <laughs> um, I love that Darcy was in this episode for a majority of it. That was very fun having Kat Dennings back in the MCU. Um, also, is it fair to say that Marvel can't do anything Christmas related without Justin Hammer? Iron Man three. What if Happy Hogan saved Christmas? If only Shane Black wrote wrote, wrote, wrote this episode. <laughs> um, so it's a Christmas story in the multiverse on Christmas Eve. Happy Hogan is assigned to oversee security in the Avengers Tower, which I don't know if you saw it. Uh, the A on the tower had a Santa hat on it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, that's that's what they spend the opening of the the opening of the episode doing. Was peak um, for an annual holiday party until Justin Hammer and his henchmen Sergey and Rusty break out of prison and lay siege on the tower for Tony Stark's technology and Bruce Banner's Hulk blood sample. Fair to say, this What If episode did much better with the Hulk blood than She Hulk did. Yeah, uh, with Maria Hill injured attempting to apprehend justin hammer um attempting to save the hulk blood hogan is accidentally injected with it causing him to slowly transform into a purple hulk like monster though he manages to retain his intelligence with the avengers busy with the christmas parties and jarvis inactive hogan contacts darcy lewis who is tasked to find an ai to reboot the tower system and justice hammer sergey and rusty have Lewis and Hill hostage. A fully transformed Hogan confronts him, forcing Sergey and Rusty to flee and destroying the hijacked Iron Legion probes. Hammer takes control of Stark's Hulkbuster armor, but Happy Hogan defeats him before the Avengers arrive. And as Hammer is taken into custody, Happy Hogan, who asks an unanswered Stark uh, if he can cure him from transformed form, is praised for his efforts as he and the Avengers resume their Christmas party before Thor arrives and wonders, so what did I miss? Very fun yeah. episode. Yeah. Very, very fun. Um, and then we get, what if Iron Man crashed into the Grandmaster, or as I'd like to call this episode, what if Tony Stark actually joined Formula One? See, 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 I like to think of it as like, okay, so you may or may not get this reference because it's a very shitty TV movie that you run into at some points with Jason Statham and Ian McShane. Okay. Uh, I got to make sure I get the name right here. I think it's Death Race. Yeah. Death Race from 2008. Okay. Look, look up this movie. And tell me it, and tell me that does not sound a little like this episode. And you said two thousand eight. Yes, Death Race from two thousand eight. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's checking out. It's kind of they're, they're kind of just doing Death Race. Just a yeah. little bit. I don't know about you, but this episode also really made me want a Marvel version of Mario Kart. 
I need someone to develop that racing aspect into a video game because that would be fun oh, as shit. Dear. Um, this episode was super fun. You you go back to uh, Sakar with Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum, my king, dream All guest on this show. Would love Jeff Goldblum on this show one day. Um, you have Valkyrie, who they refer to as Val the entire time, which was throwing me off. Um, I mean, Korg is just a mainstay of What If Season 2, apparently. Taika Waititi, come on down! Hey, Thor, they're bullying me again. I'm playing Fortnite. Um, <laughs> it was very fun. I I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. You know, obviously, Tony Stark has prior Formula 1 racing experience from Iron Man 2. Uh, Even though it was only like a lap, maybe? Yeah. Still, made his made his way into the scene. Yep. Um, here's here's my question to you, Christian, as an F1 fan. I'll send this to oh, Casey, dear. too. Uh, what if Tony Stark was actually a Formula 1 driver? What team would Tony Stark drive for? Hmm. Well, I first think Tony Stark would try and buy his own team, A. Valid. Um, but B, um, he kind of feels like a Red Bull guy, or he feels like he does have big Max Verstappen energy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He he's he's either a Red Bull guy, or he's like, um, he's paying Haas a he's paying Haas like a a a bazillion dollars for his seat. Hazard man, um. Yeah, he's he's definitely buying his own team. He's buying in full send. Yeah. I didn't think of that. That's a good call. Good call. Um, what would his team name be? Avengers Racing? Uh, Star, uh, Stark Racing Team or something like that? Star, Stark would be better than Stake Racing that they have now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, kick, bo- kick. <laughs> hey, so Kyle, do you? So I believe it's because Stake is banned in Australia, they're going to be called Kick during those races because yeah. Kick's the streaming site that's also owned. The uh, I mean, you could also. I mean, would Tony Stark build his F one car in a cave with a box of scraps? <laughs> Leave a comment. He built the best power unit on the grid. He built a Duracell battery in a cave with a box of scraps. Oh, God. (laughs) It's good to be back, everyone. Uh, Yeah, it's Uh, great to be back. Mid-season report on what if. What What are your overall thoughts so far? It's a thing where... I'm like it happy. I'm happy it exists, but it doesn't do anything for me really one way or the other. Yeah, I've heard the best episode is episode six, which is what if Kahori reshaped the world. I'm excited to get to that one, and I've seen a lot of people say you'll appreciate some of the stuff that happens in Echo a bit more once you watch that, or if you have watched that already. I mean, I'm also looking forward to what if Hella found the Ten Rings, because great Googly Googly, we'd all be fucked if that happened. <laughs> it's over. Um, 
and I'm also looking forward to what if the Avengers assembled in 1602. The 1602 Avengers uh, comic run is very fun. And then obviously episode five uh, is a continuation from the finale of season one, where what if Captain Carter fought the Hydra Stomper? So we'll get that episode as well. And then uh, the finale of this season is what if Strange Supreme intervened? So we get Strange Supreme back in the mix. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, I'm enjoying what if. I think what if is one of the cooler introductions to the mcu um that just allows you to kick back and have fun with different scenarios that play out in marvel and gives you a chance to see different characters that may not have the ability to make it to the big screen but see them in a way that can be portrayed a lot easier in an animated sense so i'm enjoying what if season two we'll finish recapping it next week um but without any further ado christian let's get to everybody's favorite segment i cut christian off before we got to everybody's favorite segment so but i was just gonna say we got a lot of news we do and it is the streaming platform multiverse news and notes Brought to you by our pals over at Kenwood Beer. It's the official beer partner of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's a refreshing light beer, just 4.1% ABV, only 120 calories. They're the best in the game. Uh, and it's only 8 grams of carbs. You can go They're to the Kenwood best beer, around. Across the multiverse, they're the best. Uh, go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Finder to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia, Pittsburgh New Jersey and Maryland areas must be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. Christian, let's get into the news. What do we got on deck that it's been, a, it's been a while since we got to recap the news. Well, I'll start by saying our flag means death. Unfortunately is canceled. So Taika, you have one less show you can work on. My apologies. Not really. Sorry about that, bruv. <laughs> yeah, bruv. Um, the Fantastic Four will now reportedly start filming in Q3 of 2024. Full on confirmed, Pedro Pascal is your Reed Richards because he dropped out of a project to make time for it. When's D23? Uh, that's a good question. I will pull that up right now. Because I think that's interesting given the... We still haven't had the official, official cast announcement. So I'm curious. Pulling up the website and it's moving ever so slowly. Here we go. D23 2024 is August 9th, 10th, and 11th. And Q3 starts when? Q3 would begin... April to June? Nah, that can't be. Usually, Q1 is February to April. Q2 is July. Okay, yeah, Q3 is July, August, September. So, theoretically, it's... 
If they start filming late Q3, they can intro the cast at D23. Which would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, officially happening, according to oh. the Hollywood Reporter, Danny Boyle will direct. Yeah, Alex baby. Is writing the script. The plan is to launch a new trilogy 28 years later. We are so excited. We are so excited. We are happy. The budget for each film will be $75 million. Which, that is the most important part, because mid-budget films like that don't get made anymore. And you get Danny Boyle coming back. You get you get Alex Garland doing it, which which is also big, because he's the original writer of these films. In case some people didn't know, and it's just it's just like the original film is like very well beloved. You're getting kind of the band back together. I'm like, okay, like th- th- this this is very just like I'm this this makes me happy inside. Like this is like there's such a solid floor, and because it's horror, there's going to be a like solid box office for it. So. Mm-hmm. Just like yes, it's it's perfect that this exists. Uh, I'm excited about this. James Gunn is nailing the alleged uh, screen testers and actors and actresses and across the board. Uh, screen testing for Supergirl in James Gunn's DCU. Millie Alcock, who, if you don't Why know, is familiar, she is the younger version of Homegirl in House of the Dragon. Oh, her. Okay. Um, apparently, Amelia Jones and Meg Donnelly are also in the mix. Hmm. Um. Um. I'm I'm going to jump in on one. Uh, we've been surprised with a Guy Ritchie movie that's coming out on April 19th. Which this is like the most British name. I like Guy Ritchie's The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Which the Ministry has, of Ungentlemanly Warfare, which has, it? which has Henry Cavill, Eliza Gonzalez, Alan Richson, um, Hen, Hen, Henry Henry Golding, and Carrie L. Carrie L. I'm like, just please let, please let what's his name be British. Just let him be British. It's pretty British, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah love. Movie yeah, going love. up on a Tuesday. A Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> Netflix is creating a new NBA docu-series modeled after its NFL quarterback show. Season 1 players include, obviously, LeBron James, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Edwards, and DeMontis Sabonis. I'll do you one better. Did you see the news that kind of slipped out today? I did not. Apparently... Uh, what's their name? Uh, apparently, the MLS uh, is is uh, is working with the people who make Drive to Survive. Ooh, and I was just like, "Ooh, hello!" I like that. Uh, yeah, twenty five years ago this week. Oh dear, Sopranos premiered. All right, yeah they 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 they've been publicizing the shit out of that. <laughs> um. Godzilla 
Kong the New Empire moves its release date up to March 29th. Sad, sad me music here. And Bong Joon-ho's Mickey 17 is going to Uh, Tom Cruise has signed a deal with Warner Brothers Discovery to develop original and franchise movies. He will star in all of them. Cheers, mate. Uh, the Mandalorian and Grogu movie has been announced. It will be directed by Jon Favreau. Because they got nothing else to do. Because they got... I feel like this was known. Like, obviously, Dave Filoni was getting his movie, but, like, I feel like this was an unknown thing. It's something that had been talked about, but it had never been like, yeah, we're actually going to make the Mandalorian move, move, movie that that we've talked about here here and there. I feel like that's going to be... I saw new rock stars talk about this, that the Mandalorian and Grogu could be the infinity war to what Dave Filoni's Mandoverse movie will be. Like that equivalent, which I would be in favor of. Um, according to comicbook.com, the X-Men are off the table from appearing in What If until they make their live-action MCU debut. I mean, I guess that's smart. I agree. Um, we got our first look at the full Madam Web suit that was revealed on an ocean spray bottle. Congrats, guys. <laughs> great, great job by the marketing team there. That was hilarious to me. What a way to debut it. Uh, a couple days ago, one of one of the kings of television and movies celebrated his nicest birthday yet. Happy 69th birthday to J.K. Simmons. Rushing or dragging, Kyle? Are you rushing or dragging? Bring me Spider-Man! Rawr! Uh, Caitlin Dever has officially been cast Deaver. as Abby. Sorry, Deaver officially cast as Abby in The Last of Us Season 2. I am a happy man. Let everyone know why you're a happy man, Christian. Okay, so for those of you who don't know Caitlin Deaver, um, she is, age-wise, um, she is 27. So, young, uh, Young female actor, she, uh, she kind of became of note in Short Term Twelve, which was done by Destin Daniel Kren. But since 2019, she's kind of been on a kind of been on a run, where she was one of the stars of Booksmart, which is a movie I love. We're not going to talk about Dear Evan Hansen, even though I think she's good in that movie. She wasn't. Who was she in that? So. Okay. Um, she was in Ticket to Paradise, and she did like a reimagining of Romeo and Juliet called uh, Romeo and Juliet uh, called Rosalind. Um, and then this past year, she 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 did a movie called No One Will Save You, which I think is on Hulu, and it's great. But most people will probably know her from Twenty Twenty One from her great role in Dope Sick, mm. which is the best version of the opioid crisis show stuff um and michael keaton won how many awards for that mike yeah but she was also great in that so it's just like okay she she, she's never landed that like big mainstream thing and this is her chance i'm like okay caitlin 
you got this girl. Come on. So nice. It's um, it's it is exciting. We also got another casting. Isabella Merced has been cast as Dina in The Last of Us season two. Which again, people may not know her, but she was kind of like a Disney she's kind of a Disney kid. She I think that's what uh, to put it. She was the live action Dora the Explorer as well. Swiper, no swiping. Oh man. Um the the quote from Isabella Merced on being cast, she said, Let the love story begin. Oh dear. Um moving right along here. Um, right along, Governor. Where was I? Oh, this had me excited because uh, I don't know if anybody thought it would happen, but I guess it did well enough to warrant it, and I'm glad that it is. Uh, season two officially in development for Ahsoka. Yay! Like I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent when it comes to Ahsoka. Just like it, it, it doesn't do much for me, but it's like. Congrats, it did good, and congrats, you enjoyed it. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was very fun, and I think season two is only going to get even fucking weirder than what season one was, so buckle up, everyone. Um, you heard it here first, Kyle, and everyone, buckle up. Kaylee Cuoco says Harley Quinn season five is now in production. Wee! Um, Christian, did you see Adult Swim trolling Disney with Steamboat Willie this week? <laughs> a plus public domain bitch um mark hamill reunited with natalie Portman. mother that that, um, that was that was great mommy mama that was awesome um, Mark Hamill's the best man yeah like like mark mark is mark is like jen mark mark is like our agent spirit like he's yes. <laughs> Um, uh, we, we got a trailer for something that, like, seems fake, but is actually real. American Dream, the 21 Savage story starring Donald Glover as 21 Savage. What? <laughs> you haven't heard about this? No, and I, it's funny that I just quick, scrolled quick, a little. Quick, uh, I just scrolled my, my list here and it just popped up. Along like, with Caleb McLaughlin, yeah, again, who is Lucas in Stranger Things. Yeah, Kyle, just just right quick, quickly, quickly pause this recording and watch that trailer. That's that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it, it is. It, if people haven't seen the trailer, I encourage you to look it up because it's a movie. You're like, uh, okay, and then you watch it and you're like, wait, this. <laughs> we'll, we'll post it on the accounts at streamer SCN. Um, the cast of Stranger Things Five all together. They're filming now. Uh, yep. Uh, Martin Scorsese is going to make a film about G Jesus. That's eight minutes long. Jesus Christ. Which, which, which I will say, it's funny that's going to be eighty minutes long after Killers of the Flower Moon's three hours twenty minutes. <laughs> Uh, how do you feel about this? According to showbiz411.com, 
Jacob Eldori is reportedly replacing Andrew Garfield as the monster. It literally just popped up as as I was scrolling through the Discord channel I'm on. I think that's a fine replacement. I mean, Garfield would have been stupendous, but I mean, as long as I don't think you have Elordi talking a whole lot because he's playing the monster, I think. Oh, no, wait. Is he playing? Yeah. Yeah. He's pl- Wait. I thought Oscar Isaac was playing the monster. Hold on one second. <laughs> wait a minute. Now, wait a damn minute. Did I gaslight myself? <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I swore I saw something where, where it was like Oscar Isaac was playing the monster. I'm like, this makes total sense. Now, wait a damn minute. Wait a damn minute here. Um, sure, yeah. Tall. Very tall and very long. Sure, yeah. And, uh... Does some very provocative things with Barry Keegan, but... Hey. You do what you do. Wait, well, have you watched Saltburn? I have not. No, okay. <laughs> we gotta get you to be part of that conversation. Um... Um, I mean, I feel like we have to talk about it briefly. The Emmys happened. No, sorry, sorry. The Golden Globes happened. Golden Globes, yeah. The Emmys happened this Sunday. Yeah, the Golden Globes. They did happen. Kyle, when are we watching the Baron Succession? Um, the Golden Globes did happen. Shout out to Joe Coy. When are we watching the Baron Succession, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> I think Joe Coy is catching a, a bad rap. Oh, dude, it was it was so bad. It was so... Did you know... I, I don't know if he said it, because I didn't get a chance to watch because I was covering the Wings game. Um, He had, like, 20 days notice that he was hosting. He said 10, but... 10. But, but still, it's like... Why is everyone's instinct to fucking shit on... Shit on... The show? It's like, look... Look at what John Mulaney did for did for his governor's awards things. He was hilarious in it. Where 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 uh, and you want know Kyle hit uh hit uh, uh hit uh hit pause. Send so I don't care if Joe Coy had ten days or 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 twenty days. All the hosts recently it's 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 attack, uh, attack and make fun of the films. That doesn't ingratiate you to uh, to the artists in the room. It, like it, R- Ricky Gervais never really made fun of the films. He always made fun of the people, and that's what made everyone love Ricky Gervais hosting these shows. So. But yeah, Anatomy of the Fall had some had some nice surprising wins. Um, Succession beat a, a bunch of The Last of Us stuff. Kieran Culkin's speech was hilarious. Yeah. Um. Did we talk about Tom Cruise? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about Tom Cruise. Um. I have a quote from Jake Johnson. Oh right. He has one condition to play Spider-Man in live action. Quote. If Phil Lord or Chris Miller texted and said, we think this is really cool and we would like you to be part of it, I'm in. If it's Sony that says, 
they got a really fun idea. It's a new director. I feel less no. excited about that. I mean, that's fair on fair on his part. Probably one of the more interesting is is, is Olivia Rodrigo said she would like to act in a coming of age movie. Which Olivia, I would like to uh, I would like you to kindly walk over and meet. Uh, I need to make sure I don't butcher the name of the the name of the director. Uh, I need you and Kelly Freeman Craig to get ready to work together because she's the person who did Edge of Seventeen and Are You There, God? It's Me, Mar- Margaret. Did, did this past year, both of which were just great coming of age films. So I need you two to quickly get uh, get together. Um, what else do we got here? We had Jonathan Majors on Good Morning America. Oh, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> um, we know about the new the new untitled Paul Thomas Anderson film that's start that'll start filming in about ten days, and we'll have Leonardo DiCaprio, which he which PTA finally gets to check off his ch- check off his checklist. Sean Penn and R- Regina Hall. Yep, just just literally, you say PTA, I'm seated. You say PTA and Leo, I'm doubly seated. Uh, James Gunn says he's over halfway done writing Peacemaker season two. Cheers, mate. Uh, oh, and and did you see his tweet? Uh, uh, his tweet about someone asking, uh, or may- or maybe it wasn't a tweet. It was a response to something. Uh, about someone asking, like, what, what, why are you still doing Peacemaker if it's like an entirely new DC? And and he's like, it will all make sense. And I'm like, okay. Uh, which also, in that same vein, James Gunn would love for Margot Robbie to play Harley Quinn again in the DCU. Quote: There are no plans at this time for anyone else to play Harley. I mean. I don't know anyone who doesn't like James, so I think as long as the project's good and and the paycheck is big enough, I think she's a hundred percent down because it always looks like she, looks like she's a blast doing those films. Yes. Um. um another thing that I just want to hmm? whip out the accent for via Radio Times by the order of the Peaky Blinders, the movie starts filming in the middle of twenty twenty four. I will go see that movie. Um. Damn. Hmm. Do we start watching? Well, have you seen Peaky Blinders? No. Add another show to the Kyle list. Um. Well, coming to South by Southwest, uh, the South by Southwest Festival this year is a neon movie called Cuckoo. Which do you know about this movie, Kyle? Yeah, it's my life story. Fair. Um. (laughs) It stars Jessica Henwick. Hen Henwick. Dan Stevens and Hunter Schaefer, and it's been a movie that we've been like ha- has has actually been made, but we finally have confirmation. Um, Selena Gomez will officially start in a Linda Ron. I always try to pronounce this name Ron Ron Ronstadt, but mm-hmm. upcoming biopic. Um, I like that. I can get yeah. with that. She she can definitely sing. Uh. Christopher Nolan says his Peloton instructor slammed one of his films during a class. (laughs) The internet tracked down the clip, and she was talking about Tenant. 
Did anyone see this shit? What the fuck was going on in that movie? That's two and a half hours of my life that I want back. Which I love Tenet. I love that. I I love that movie. It's very controversial. But um, one thing I should note is um, because of this Tom Cruise deal, the Warner Brothers bosses are hoping to get Edge of Tomorrow 2, which uh, I, I, I don't think it needs a sequel. But I mean, I love Edge of Tomorrow. I think it's like one of the most underrated um, kind of sci-fi films that kind of got buried under bad, bad marketing. Ooh, hold on. I've just seen fun news. Nick Frost has been cast as Ga- Ga- Gobber the Belch in the live-action How to Train Your Dragon remake. Listen, I don't think a live-action version needs to exist. I am 100% for, for Nick Frost playing that character. 100%. Uh, Wes Wes Anderson's making an, an espionage film with Bill Murray, M- Michael Cera, and Benicio del Toro. Sign me up. I am seated. Uh, this sucks. Pixar oh, confirms they will have layoffs this year as they focus on making less content. It reportedly can be as high as twenty percent of their staff. I mean, ev- everyone's cutting jobs. Um, what? Apple and Skydance are. Working together to make a heist action adventure film with John Krasinski and Natalie Portman, directed by Guy Ritchie. Okay. Um, Michael Jackson biopic releases April 18, 2025. He will be played by his nephew, Jafar Jackson. I don't care. I I, I, I legitimately don't care enough. I, 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 um, we got a trailer for a new Melissa Barrera film, Abigail. Queen. Queen. She's in an- another horror film, Kyle. Queen. Um, Lucasfilm has registered the domain name Indiana Jones in the Great Circle. Oh, fuck's sake. It's for a... Bury the thing already. It's for a video game. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> fine. Pass. <laughs> Um, looking here, Leonardo DiCaprio. Do we talk about this? The Paul Thomas Anderson film. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um. Did, but we didn't talk about Gerard Butler being cast as Hiccup's father in in in, in the live action How to Train Dragon, which I'm like again, just like perfect casting, like no notes at all, none. This is interesting to me because when I read this, I see it. Barry Keoghan says uh, director Chloe Zhao told him to act more like Hayden Christensen in Star Wars for his Eternals role. Interesting. Um, I just have to celebrate this because rip to the bozos that invested in any of this. Shout out to Culture Crave for uh, putting this out. Uh, Twitter has removed support for NFT profile pictures. You fucking bozos. Um... We never got a chance to talk about what Warner Brothers missing the message of Ready Player One and and deciding to make trying to make a real life version of it. It's like guys, guys, did did you actually understand the product that was written and put on screen? Insert John Bernthal in the Punisher. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 guys. Hold, hold on. Hold up a minute. 
Hold on. Minute player. Uh, um, double checking all my things to see if there's news for anything. Did we talk about your your king Kihui Kwan's new uh, no. role? He Do will tell. star as the lead in Universal's new action film with love. Are you ready for this? The fight yeah. coordinator making his directorial debut is Jonathan Yusebo, who is John Wick's fight coordinator. Sold. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Good episode back. Uh, Long episode. Oh, last one. Uh, oh. Scripts are being written. Season three of House of the Dragon is now in active development. Season three, Christ. Season two debuts this summer. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at streamer SZN on Twitter, Instagram, and threads, and at streamer SZN pod on TikTok. Follow Christian at the whiz underscore PHI on Twitter. Follow me at KPIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify. Leave a five star review with your movie and TV recommendations. Do the same in the YouTube comment section, youtube.com slash at underground sports Philadelphia. Get us to 800 subscribers before the end of the month. And of course, you already know, once we get to 1,000, I'm watching season one of Game of Thrones. So we can start that sooner rather than later uh, if you subscribe. Smash the like button, ring the bell icon, leave a comment, and uh, get your merch, phiapparel.co, code underground for 10% off your orders. And this has been another edition of Streamer Season, the exclusive streaming platform, TV and movie podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For Christian, I'm KB. We are going to uh, go ponder some more what-if scenarios. But until then, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.